right, it's your boy Jay Barber here with Tracy and on the BioTalks podcast. This episode, we have a very great guest coming all the way from Mexico City. Uh, not Mexico City. Where are, you, where are you stationed right now, Humberto? I am in Mexico City right now. Oh, and he is I, in Mexico City. I um, <laughs> travel back and forth to Savannah, Georgia, where I have been working for the past five years. All right, that's what's up. And so we got Umberto Moro with us, one of the curators of a fantastic new show, Elizabeth Catlett, Point La Contact, at the SCAD Museum of Art, Evans Center for African American Studies. Thanks for coming on the podcast with us, Umberto. Thank you. And I just want to read a little bit from Umberto's um, bio because it's very impressive, okay? Umberto Morro is Deputy Director and Senior Curator at Museo Tamayo in Mexico City, where he recently curated, it looks like Otros Mundos with X's, a large-scale survey of artists working in the city. He's also the curator of the 2021 section at Expo Chicago, and since 2016, adjunct curator at the SCAD Museum of Art in Savannah, Georgia, where he has co-organized Frederick Douglass, Embers of Freedom, and organized solo exhibitions by Kentura Davis, Glenn Fogel, Alex Gardner, Oliver Larich, Cynthia Gutierrez, Pia Camel, Mariana Castillo de Val, Tom Burr, Yang Fudong, Foss, and so many more. And I think also what is very impressive is that you also held um, curatorial positions at the Park Avenue Armory in New York and Museo Jumex in Mexico City. And he was the recipient of the 2016 Estancias Tabacalera Research Award for Latin American curators in Madrid, Spain. And I mean, he also holds a BFA in painting from the Universidad de Guanajuato. He did the, the curatorial course in Guangzhou, South Korea. And he also holds a BFA in painting. Oh, excuse me, I read that already because I was so impressed by the fact that you've gone through so much schooling and as a fellow artist, it's always very interesting for me uh, for those who delve not only into the study of their art, but the study of how to curate how people should understand the art that's being made. And so I just wanted to, you know, give a little excerpt of your bio. You're very impressive, Umberto. I'm, I'm very pleased to speak with you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think I think it's impressive until you think about student loans. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've been in school for a long time, and and, and I also come from an, um, a studio practice background. So you know, like my approach to curation, it's very material and it's very you know like oriented to uh, different mediums and techniques. So um, I think that. Um, you know, like many curators come from um, philosophy, writing, history, art history programs. So I think, um, you know, like especially thinking about my work at the Scott Museum of Art, where uh, we are a teaching museum uh, in the middle of a university. Um, I think I think that um, allows me to connect in a different way with students. Yeah, I think that's great. And so when you think about uh, we're just going to go ahead and get to the money, as they say, Elizabeth Catlett, she's such an important figure. Me, myself, as an African-American printmaker, and I know a lot of um, black women printmakers, especially. She has a very significant place because she has some legendary, iconic works included. But she also has uh, uh, a life that was well lived, as we should say. Right. Uh, she spent her time here and in Mexico, kind of had dual citizenship for a while. And then uh, it was so it's such an interesting story. But let's start right at the beginning with um, 
why Elizabeth Catley in particular was selected for this exhibition and how it all came together? Well, um, at the Scott Museum of Art, we have uh, the Walter O. Evans Center for African-American Studies, which is a gallery that's devoted to study African-American arts. And in this gallery, we have done, you know, like wonderful exhibitions uh, with many living artists. Um, we just had a fantastic uh, first museum show with Kentura Davis. Mm, love her um, work, yeah. An artist based in L.A., but also um, goes back and forth to uh, Ghana. And, you know, like this, this gallery really um, dives really deep into what's happening uh, around African-American arts. But also we started a series of exhibitions um, five years ago that are studying the legacy, the life and legacy of icons of um, black culture. Um, and we started this project with um, a survey of uh, Jacob Lawrence which was tracing, you know, like not only what influenced him, but also what sort of influence he became for contemporary artists. So, right. you know, like the, we are a contemporary art museum, so we don't really um, we don't really reach to modern art or to the history of modern art. But, you know, like when we establish very specific connections with contemporary art, then I think we're on the ground of our area of our research and study. So that was the first project. It was an amazing project because we really contextualized what happened with Jacob Lawrence. Um, also in the um, in relationship to our permanent collection, uh, which we hold uh, various uh, works uh, by African-American artists um, from mid-century to the present, which are incredible. So this is also a way to study our permanent collection. And, um, you know, like departing from that project, we then thought, how could we advance this mission of um, of, you know, like keep the research at the Walter Evans Center for African-American Studies. And then the second project we did was about Frederick Douglass. Mm. And we exhibited um, um, a treasure of documents uh, in the Frederick Douglass family archive uh, from Walter Evans, who is a patron and a friend of the museum who we work very closely with. He, you know, like has been such an important figure for for African American culture at large. He's a collector of archives, letters, art, and he donated uh, many of the works that we have uh, in this um, area. And also, we have the gallery that's devoted in his name. So, you know, like this is a very close conversation with uh, Dr. Evans and uh, this group of um, fantastic documents sort of like opened up um, a part of the life of Frederick Douglass that was not documented before. And that's, for example, how David Blythe came to write his uh, Pulitzer Prize uh, winning book uh, because of this collection of documents. So um, this was the second iteration of this uh, sort of project that we're revising, sort of like influencing contemporary arts. We you know, work with all kinds of uh, contemporary artists that were um, either speaking directly about Frederick Douglass or, or um, in the vicinity of, um, of all the um, sort of like 
uh, social justice um, uh, claims that uh, Frederick Douglass had made in his uh, illustrious uh, life. And then, uh, you know, like her natural third installment was uh, Elizabeth Catlett, because we um, hold one of Elizabeth Catlett's, I think, most uh, iconic works in the museum, in the museum's collection, which is Homage to Black Women Poets. Mm, mm. Uh, exactly. I mean, this is an iconic um, piece by Catlett that yeah. uh, was commissioned in 1984 by Dr. Evans. And mm -hmm. originally he he was at the time, he's also, you know, like, uh, uh, very fond of uh, jazz music, and he was producing a couple of records but th back then. And he originally commissioned this work to Catlett to become um, the cover of a jazz album. Hmm. He made some travels uh, to Cuernavaca, which is a city. It's a city that's about you know like a, an hour away from Mexico City, and there okay. there are uh, many people that have. Um, country houses, if you if, if you will, in Cuernavaca, mm -hmm. and they come back and forth to work in Mexico City. And, you know, like in the 50s, in the 60s, there was a growing community that was working uh, in a cultural community that was working, writers, painters, uh, activists, and so on, that were uh, working from Cuernavaca. And that's ultimately what were Francisco Mora and Elizabeth Catlett established. And uh, they uh, raised a family in, in Cuernavaca, in between Cuernavaca and, Mex and Mexico. And that's where Walter Evans uh, met uh, Elizabeth Catlett uh, for commissioning this this work that we now yeah. hold uh, at the museum. So that was sort of like the beginning of this project, you know, like really analyzing um, the fantastic life of Elizabeth Catlett, which is almost, you know, like as long as... Uh, Lord of the Rings, one, two, three <laughs> movies. It's, I mean, ha, has had so many chapters. Yeah, so interesting, phases, yeah. so complex, uh, so eventful. And she, um, she, you know, like for me, it was also. I mean, there's a, also a personal element for this because I'm also an, 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 a Mexican immigrant in the states, and I, 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 I have studied a lot. Um, this um, decade, the 1940s, which was, you know, like um, the the good neighbor policy in the in in these years, and there was a big exhibition in 1939 at MoMA, at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, which was called uh, "20 Centuries of Mexican Art," which was really sort of like. Uh, highlighting the importance of, of Mexican uh, culture and the exchange between, you know, like the, the United States and Mexico culturally. And that was that was a very important decade in which, uh, you know, like uh, folks from um, the United States really appreciated um, Mexican culture and the exchange in a very collegial, very harmonious way. And I was, I have been very interested in that decade, um, generally mm -hmm. as a as a researcher. So, you know, like this is a very important decade also to Elizabeth Catlett, because that's when she uh, went to school and did uh, started sort of like a very specific style and then ultimately end up coming to Mexico in 1946. And um, so, you know, like it was sort of like the perfect hot soup for us to, uh, to cook something really important. And, and I was also struck that, you know, um, 
there's there's um there's one i think landmark publication about catlet uh, which is uh, which was a um doctoral dissertation of Me melanie and herzog uh, mm -hmm. who's a who's a scholar that knew catlet that spent a lot of time with with her uh, in cuernavaca in new york city in different cities and she wrote uh, a, a, an incredibly sophisticated argument about the complex identity of Catlett, because yes, Catlett was a black woman. Yes, Catlett was a descendant of enslaved people. And, but she was also Mexican and she also identified as Mexican. So, you know, like this sort of complexity, I felt that hadn't been revised in the States because there had been a couple of exhibitions about Catlett uh, in the, you know, like past decade that reviewed Catlett in relationship to contemporary artists, but it was always black artists, mm. which is great because she is a black artist, but she's not only that, she's mm -hmm. much more, and she, her identity is so, um, so much complex. Um, so for me, it was, it was also about making this argument of the nuance, of the complexity, and uh, also about how she really bridged, like no one else did, and um, she really connected the dots between the civil rights movement in the United States and then uh, muralism and social realism. So, you know, like when she comes to Mexico, she is an educated woman. Uh, she's um, she has this amazing drive. She has a very defined style. Um, she's also aware of her privilege as a, uh, as you know, like as a woman that has been educated, and 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 she's she's using her art to fight for social justice. And then when she comes to Mexico, she finds an, an incredibly big and thriving community of artists that's using art to fight for social justice. So I think that that's the moment when when she feels so identified with what's happening in Mexico City and feels that collectivity here, that this collective work, it's so powerful that she feels that here's the place where she can work the most, not only for what she wants to do for her uh, community, for her black community in the States, but also for what she sees is becoming her family, her husband, her kids, and, um, her you know like young family at the time so you know like the idea that Catlett is the only connection between uh, the only artistic connection between these two very complex cultural movements was i think um the 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 genesis of this project now i have a question because i want to go back and, and just take a step back as an artist who is always um i suppose um trying to identify my identity, right? I feel like identi identity is such a complex thing. And so before she even realized that she had this identity with Mexico, as you said, you were studying the 40s, what do you think really distinguished her from her peers at the time that awarded her that fellowship that allowed her to go into Cuernavaca to then explore, you know, what would become her new identity as a Mexican citizen thereafter what was it that really differentiated her at that time in the 40s well she was a she was a brave woman you know i, I speaking with um 
I have been in close contact with um, her sons. She has three sons, Juan, Francisco, and David, each live in a different city. And they have all told me, you do not want to mess with Elizabeth Catlett. <laughs> so you know, like she's, imagine this is 1945. She's applying for um, this uh, Rosenwald Fund Fellowship to come to Mexico City. And um, her project, it's uh, about fighting for black women, you know? How radical is that? You know, like she wasn't, wow. uh, she, she just think about how she wasn't, for example, permitted to leave um, um, in campus when she went to Iowa College she, because mm. she was black. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, like that never stopped her. So right. her determination, I think, really made a difference as, as well as her subject because she was she presented a project that was titled the negro woman mm -hmm. and um it was a series inspired in the the, the struggle she saw black women were, were having at the time and that is what ultimately gave her the grant to come to mexico city and then mm -hmm. in like 1946 she comes uh she was married to Charles White, you know, like another icon of of, of, right. of, of black art history. And, and, you know, like it was it was a power couple at the time. And she comes to Mexico City. And um, obviously, I mean, this grant was two thousand dollars at the time for a full <laughs> year. So she was also where she said that, for example, she wanted to go to Paris, but she she couldn't afford to be in Paris with two thousand dollars. So she came to Mexico instead. Uh, and again, you know, like this is this is a decade where muralism is sort of like in trend. What everyone knows, Diego Rivera, Jose Clemente Orozco, David Alfaro Siqueiros, everyone knows who they are. They're doing a lot of projects in the States. They're mm -hmm. doing murals. Um, um, everyone is admiring their murals. And yeah. they're, I mean, also the, 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 the influence of the Communist Party in, in right. this time, it's 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 uh, amazing and it's great, you know, because they're taking they're taking the best part of communism right. and they're and they're incorporating that discourse into their art so this is you know mm -hmm. like a time where artists are using art as a vehicle to fight for social justice and uh, art is at the service of society so it's it's kind of like a different a completely different paradigm mm -hmm. and you know like the fact that she was fighting for women fighting for black women and that she was making that her subject, I think had, you know, like a really big influence why she ended up not only getting that grant, but coming to Mexico and then staying. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about once she arrived in in Mexico and started, uh, when did she start her work at the Taller de Graphic Popular? Well, the Taller de Gráfica Popular was this workshop, printmaking workshop, mm -hmm. which, which was, you know, like taking um, on from the aesthetic, Jose Guadalupe Posada, who was, you know, like this printmaker, this iconic printmaker that this is like sort of like Mexican skull that everyone now identifies with Mexican culture. Yeah. And, um, this was, you know, like taking from the sentiment of the Mexican Revolution, which was, you know, like um, very related to the rights of uh, of people living in rural areas and, and the rights of people that were working the fields 
and um so there's you know like there's a there's a i think a layer of melancholic uh sort of like bucolic um rural environment in this aesthetic and and mm -hmm. the taller de grafica popular which you know literally means the workshop of of, of um graphic works of popular graphic works mm -hmm. um, was founded in 1937 by a group of artists and um that was sort of like the first generation because it, i mean there were many artists working in this workshop and there were different generations so Catlett really sort of like came in the second generation um in the in the 40s so you know like they they would um they would be at the service of people so people would come to this workshop and say um uh, we're gonna have a meeting uh, to talk about you know like political ideas or or so on and they would make a print to promote the that meeting you know like they would do flyers for people or they would do uh co covers for books or illustrate books or you know like it was really a place where people like regular people that were you know like in the fight for social justice would come and ask for things from artists and um and they also would do series of portfolios they have different series of portfolios that they would sell to support themselves mm -hmm. you know like this was a collective place that they would pay out of their own pockets and um you know like elizabeth catlett when she came uh to the tgp um she started a series of um black icons mm -hmm. and it was it was amazing because then you would see mexican artists um paying homage to black figures mm -hmm. you know so again this is i mean and this is also related to the present you know in a time when we're constantly reminded by everything in our culture of our differences mm. this is a particularly relevant show because it shows how two different you know like marginalized communities as the black community and the mexican community can have uh, and should have uh, a friendly relationship and that there are there are points of contact in our struggles and that um you know like there are overlaps in our identities and that we can work together um in the search for social justice so this you know like this i think it's a key to understand um not only catlet but why this exhibition exists and that's major for the 10th year anniversary of SCAD's Museum of Art type of conversation. I think that it's major. And I want you to know that we're also going to delve into the two previous artists um, slash activists who you spoke about. We're going to do a series of basically buy a bits which is a series on blackartinamerica.com that highlights the legacy artists who paved the way for us to be able to do the work that we do now and have the conversations that we do now so i think we should definitely get into you know why you chose the artists that you chose to curate alongside catlett and how you know their work relates to hers and how actually the work that she was doing then is still very relevant like you said lord of rings is going to keep playing right Catlett should keep playing. Let's go, let's go. Let's go, Scad. I love the way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, we're extremely excited about our 10th anniversary. We're a young museum, but I think we have made a strong mark in our community, in, in Savannah, in Georgia, in the South, and in the world. You know, like we, we these exhibitions that we have done 
uh, in the past have traveled to many places and we we have you know like enrich the the academic life of our students with uh, these works of art and this is our main focus but um also we're you know like in a in a global conversation with global yeah. institutions and i think you know like launching an exhibition such as this uh, i think it's a it's a very strong statement for our 10th anniversary but maybe i want to tell you a little bit about the groupings because we have many works by catlett Mm -hmm. and by other people that are looking at Catlett, which is nice. Um, mm -hmm. And we have sort of created some groupings which are not related uh, really to temporalities because we have, you know, like works from the 60s, from the 80s, from the 2000s. So these, these show in a way doesn't really follow at a, a linear structure. It follows uh, different thematic groupings. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the first part of the exhibition starts with um, two visions of Catlett. Uh, and I, I'm, I have to say that in the process of building this exhibition for the past two years, I was very lucky to, co to come to Cuernavaca, to um, Francisco's and Elizabeth's studio house, wow. which is amazing because you, can, you get to the, the studio and it's exactly how they left it. Wow. You can see their tools, you can see, you know, like pieces of plaster, wood, unfinished work. So it's really magical to be able to, you know, like be in these spaces. So yes. most most of the Catlett works are coming directly from her studio, which is also mm -hmm. quite amazing. And mm -hmm. on some works uh, have never been shown before, which is also a very rare opportunity. Um, so the show starts with two um, yeah, two depictions of uh, Elizabeth, one that has been done by Francisco Mora, her husband, and this is uh, Elizabeth working in her studio. It's a beautiful drawing. Um, Catlett is sitting on a chair with a large piece of wood and she's carving it. And, you know, like her sons remember very lovingly how she was physically so strong and she would held mm -hmm. these pieces of wood, these, you know, like very heavy pieces of mahogany wood in her lap and then carved from there. So, you know, like she also had, you know, like a, a, a physical ability that was quite exceptional. And also, um, you know, like a, um, a fun fact is that um, her studio had a door that was overlooking the house kitchen. So she she would be making art at the same time that she was, you know, like checking uh, lunch <laughs> and raising kids. So, you know, like right. that's, that's also a big question, you know, because um, women have been historically marginalized and prevented mm -hmm. to be part of art history because mm -hmm. they ha they're you know like limited to raise families and to work in the domestic mm -hmm. space so you know like this is i think an incredible example of um, a woman that was doing all of the above and who had you know like raised three kids had a stellar artistic career and 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 still was able to to make uh, you know like one of the most of one of the biggest marks in art history 
of the 20th century. So I think this this drawing is extremely important for me because it captures a moment where uh, a very intimate moment where Catlett is working in her studio. And then the second work is a, is a photograph by Mariana Jampolski, who's also a fellow immigrant. He, she was um, American Polish and she came to Mexico. She was also part of the uh, Taller de Grafica Popular. They met there. They worked there and she thought she made this beautiful black and white photograph of her working on um, on a clay uh, head of a black man. So uh, I think these two different renditions of um, of Elizabeth uh, are sort of like a testament of her uh, body, her personality, her uh, very intimate environment. Shout out to our new and recurring patrons. Would you buy stock in Baya if you could? Well, we invite you to join us in becoming a monthly supporter. Starting at just $3 a month, you become a stakeholder and begin to help us transform lives through art. Such art initiatives and educational programming like Black Light with Steve Prince, Relating to Art with Dr. Kelly Morgan, and Baya Bits would not be possible without the ongoing support of our Patreon members. Review our list of rewards for becoming a Baya Patreon slash patron supporter. Learn more at www.patreon.com slash Black Art in America. And then um, the first group of works immediately after those uh, Catlett uh, um, images are a group that we have uh, titled The Celebration of Black Culture. Because, mm -hmm. you know, like her work is really a celebration of black culture. And, and we have works, you know, like from 1981, from, from 1968, from 83. And they're all, you know, like thinking about, uh, for example, African traditional imagery and those mm -hmm. sort of like roots that African American culture have in African arts. Uh, she has this beautiful uh, head of a, of a young black person from 1968, which is titled Black is Beautiful. And then mm -hmm. she's also making tribute to blues, to Malcolm X. Uh, and, you know, like this group is really a celebration of, of, of black bodies, of black culture. And that's sort of like the tone in which the exhibition starts, you know, like really positioning her celebration of black culture. So we yes. can really understand uh, that part of her discourse and then navigate towards a different part of the exhibition. Um, okay. the can, second we, can, part, we stop, can we stop right there for a second? I just want sure. to explore that part of it a little bit more. Um, sure. Because of her history, you know what I'm saying, her education at Howard University, uh, being taught under professors like Lois Malu Jones and Alan Locke or uh, printmaker James, well, James Wells, um, the importance of black culture, I don't think, can be understated uh, in that work and her particular um, attitude towards what was happening to her and her need to make social commentary about it, too. I mean, she talks about um, how the main purpose is to convey the social messages and not just the pure aesthetics. So a little bit on how you selected some of those pieces, because it's so many uh, iconic pieces that she did have in there. Um, one in particular called Roots, I think is one of my favorites of hers. Um, just say, say a little bit more about that before we move on. Well, these pieces all show range, you know, and that was 
that was a concept that was important for this group of works because we wanted to show how she was speaking about the past, present, and future of uh, black communities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like thinking about the influence of African arts and how, you know, um, especially thinking, for example, about the Harlem Renaissance or um, different moments of, um, of, of black arts history and how um, the, or even in contemporary arts, you know, like we show, we just, the show that just closed at this gallery had Sanford Biggers, which is, you know, mm -hmm. like one of the biggest figures in, uh, in arts um, at large. And he mm -hmm. references um, um, African traditional sculpture so much. So this is also a nod to other type of projects we have done in the gallery. But also, you know, like, again, speaks about um, the historical relation of um, original uh, imagery from Africa and how that plays a big role in African-American arts. And then, you know, like this range is also, I think, expanded by the inclusion of something that um, things about music, because music was a big part of, you know, like Elizabeth's joy and, and, and she, she, um, yeah, she paid homage to music in many ways, not only in printmaking, but also in sculpture. So that was a different sort of like area. And then of course, you know, like Malcolm X, you know, like what can we say about Malcolm X? That, you know, like <laughs> it's not, it's not an understatement, you know, like his importance is, uh, it's just massive. And, and um, if you are in the gallery standing, this print uh, about Malcolm X, which is titled, he speaks for us, you know, like it's about speech, it's about social justice. But this print is um, displayed directly across the drawing that I was describing before of Catlett. So mm. it, it's a very interesting relationship between speech and action, how, you know, like everything that Malcolm X stood for, uh, was had such a strong impact on Catlett and how that was literally going into the work for, with the artistic action. So there's there's you know like there are nuances and dialogues about um, uh, this selection that you obviously will see uh, if you come to see the show. And uh, you know like the last one, uh, it's a celebration of men basically. So you see different bodies standing together with their um, arms lift and, and and that for me sort of like a very celebratory image. So yeah, this group I think was made to show range. I think that's the main idea. And mm -hmm. you're gonna see as we go through the, um, this, um, the works in the show, you're gonna see how there are very specific relations between these works and some of the contemporary works. So that's mm -hmm. uh, discovered in this conversation. So yeah, then so the second group of works are depictions mm -hmm. of uh, black women, which is also, you know, like, again, the the sort of uh, thematic that uh, made her come to Mexico. And we have works from different times, from the 90s, from the 70s. And um, the one that we selected uh, to be the signature image of the show, it's a very beautiful print titled Which Way? And you yeah. can see um, the head of a woman that's looking um, frontally to you. But then this face is connected to two other faces, a face that's um, 
you know, like you can see a profile on the right and a profile on the left. And it's for me, it's sort of like unclear if this is the same person or if these are three different persons. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that sort of like confusion between um, a collective being or the layers of a single being was, I think, um, at the core of this show to show the complexity of identity, how we're never the same person, but we're many persons at the same time. There's many things that are happening with our identity at the same time, you know, like this thing that, you know, like modern theory has called intersectionality. Like there are Mm -hmm. many intersections at the, uh, at the point of, um, of our identity. So this sort of like this work became this, the, the, the flag for the show. Um, to really show, you know, like the importance of a catlet uh, depicting black woman and depicting the nuance, the complexity, um, the richness, and 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 you know, like aside of all that, which is um, speech, the work is in- exquisite. It's an incredible print, and you know, like she always sort of like, uh, uh, yeah, goes from very abstract textures to very fine lines and she's yes. you know like going back and forth from these like um yeah like blocks of of black spots but then she does you know like the hair is incredibly refined or yes. the eyebrows or the mouth so you really see these um rich figures that go from abstraction to figuration to realism even like the portrait in black her hand is immaculate yeah and you know like those those works um have so many different qualities so um, most of them are lithographs so this this um means that she was drawing directly on this on the on the stone and Mm -hmm. some of these portraits um she has one of one print from 2005, which is titled Gossip. So it's it's a little bit humorous, but it's also thinking about, you know, like how gossip is a form of communication and how, you know, like domestic communication is a form of transmitting knowledge. So. Um, so, th- yeah, that that um, that group of work really delves into the interactions between black women. Um, and then we have, you know, like one jewel in the show, which is Sharecropper. This is mm-hmm. one of, of her most iconic prints from 1952. And it depicts um, a black woman that's working the fields with, you know, like a, a very modest um, attire and uh, hat. And this is um, this is a print that's exquisite and you can see the lines that are, you know, like revealing so much of Catlett's passion for the medium. But this specific copy is a very rare copy because it's an author's proof mm-hmm. and it's it, it, it has color. So most of these prints are black and white. And yes. you can see how in this print, the skin of this woman is colored and then the um, the sort of like jacket she's wearing, it's also colored. So this is a very rare print that's also coming from her studio. And this is sort of like our segue into um, the relationship between uh, black culture and Mexican indigenous communities, because, you know, like the work in the fields is a, is a strong point of contact between 
black communities and and, and Mexican indigenous communities because yeah. the exploitation which happened in the fields, um, it's it's a point we share. So then you know, like immediately after that point, you have two depictions of uh, indigenous um, Mexican kids mm -hmm. as well as an indigenous Mexican woman. And you know, like this is sort of like the connection between those two very specific communities. And um, then we have a series um, of works depicting her uh, interest of speaking about motherhood. Uh, this is a subject that um, that was um, per pervasive in her work. And you know, like she, she Melanie Ann Herzog, who's the writer of this landmark book that I was speaking about before. Who came to Scott to give um, the annual Jacob and um, Wendling Knight Lawrence lecture? Uh, said that when she was talking to Elizabeth, she said that um, the most creative and radical thing she had ever done was having kids. So, <laughs> you know, um, thinking about having kids as a form of creation and how that creation in, like deeply influenced um her practice and um you know like obviously um systemic racism and police brutality are are part of of, of this group you know like she has a print from um 1970 which is called the torture of mothers which is mm -hmm. you know like the head of a mother and inside um it has a depiction of a fallen boy which um you know like was um it, it's it comes from a photograph of the cover of a Time magazine of 12 year old Joe Bass Jr. who was wounded by a gunshot in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and this was a cover of Time magazine 1967. So, um, so you know, this is a very important um, image that's part of, uh, of 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 you know like black history, but also. It confronts, I mean, this was 19, it, it was the 60s, it was the late 60s, this, mm -hmm. this, um, right, this, this print is from the 70, 1970, and yet this is, this is a situation that has still been not solved, and, you know, like, it is important for us to speak about how this uh, issue, it's pervasive, it's current, it's present, and it has been discussed by artists for decades. I, I want to take a, a quick second and note one of the other artists that you include in the show, Miss uh, the one and only Latoya Hobbs, who has a massive piece that's included in the show, and she's doing an entire series about motherhood in relation to that. Tell me how those two pieces connect for you. Well, this is a very special connection um, because, I mean, Latoya Hobbs is a is an extraordinary contemporary printmaker. I mean period you know like her prints are just remarkable and she um she has spoke about how catlett is a big influence of hers and um the particular um print that were presented it's a massive print you know like it's 96 by 144 inches it's i mean it's huge it, it's a three-part print and um it, it's from the Carving Out Time series. It's the first, it's, this is a series of massive prints that she has done. And uh, inside, you know, like inside the image, 
you see a work by Catlett, which is the work titled Roots that we were speaking about that has this imagery uh, from African um, traditional sculpture. So, you know, like this, that's a very interesting connection between actual Catlett work and then contemporary work. So that's, a, you know, like a curatorial relation that's, um, I think, very direct. Yeah. And uh, again, she's representing her family, you know, like this sort of like a morning where she's um, just uh, yawning in bed with uh, her husband on the side and her kids, just everyone's just like cuddling in bed and just thinking about, you know, like this very, very intimate space. And um, she she has all this art um, displayed on her room and and you know like this very intimate scenery it's again thinking about motherhood about you know like the 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 political potential in motherhood the agency mm -hmm. of women in motherhood and something that i think it's also very special is that uh latoya's husband ariston jacks is also on the show with a massive print and you know like that's a very sweet note to how Francisco and Elizabeth, you know, like spent years working together mm -hmm. and, and, and as a couple, they had publications uh, together, you know, like, for example, in 1990, they published a book together with both Francisco and Elizabeth's prints. So, you know, like to have another married couple that's raising a family in the show that are also printmakers, I think is a very rare opportunity to show how, um, how there's a connection to contemporary art uh, and, and, and art making in the present. Yeah, that, that was a, the dots are real close together on that one and connecting them. So I, <laughs> I, I love that part of it. Uh, let's move on to uh, the part about her sculptures. And I, I think it's interesting that we started this conversation where her sculpture was kind of the kickoff, even though she's more commonly known as a printmaker. Talk about her, her journey into sculpture, even she taught sculpture in Mexico where she lived at too. So let's talk, let's explore that a little bit. Well, yeah, she started, uh, she started with sculpture and um, that was her medium. I think she, she got into printmaking when she came to Mexico and she learned uh, from the taller and from her husband, Francisco. Um, but you know, like I, I think those two mediums are parallel. I, um, I couldn't pick a favorite because both are, I think, really important and are really different. But her sculptures are just exquisite. You yeah, know, like that. Really yeah. Her her rendition of um, female body, uh, it's not only beautiful but it's also powerful, and that's <laughs> you know, like that's that's what I like about it. That it's it's um, it's standing up for her, for her for her different communities. And she's with the sculpture, she's thinking about, you know, like motherhood, upbringing, protection. Those are some of the titles of the ex of the um, works we have in the exhibition. And uh, she's also thinking about um, maternity, about embrace, about, you know, like the, the not only in, in terms of um, figuration, but she also starts um, orbiting towards abstraction too. You know, mm -hmm. we have a bust of a woman in marble, in a beautiful black marble, that's a little bit more abstract. But um, this is sort of like the core of the exhibition. We have designed 
um, two large plinths that hold of all these sculptures together as sort of like the heart of the show. And you can see in you know, like different materials, marble, as I was saying, bronze, different qualities of bronze, because she used uh, painted bronze, but she also used like sort of like a more raw version of bronze and the wood carvings. She, you know, like uh, would use uh, mahogany um, in most of her works, which is, you know, like a beautiful, uh, dark, shiny wood. And we have one um, sculpture that she did in collaboration with David, her son, mm. um, which was also a way of incorporating, uh, incorporating the importance that she saw in family uh, into the show and um, you know she was also always her kids were always with her you know like up and down in the city and going back to New York coming to Cuernavaca and uh, they're all in arts you know like one's a musician one's a filmmaker and one's uh, a sculptor and and David uh, who worked with this with her uh, in this um, beautiful um, figure of um, two human bodies um, hugging, you know, like an, an embrace that's uh, um, a little bit more abstract, but um, equally beautiful. And um, it was very important for us to include that work uh, in terms of speaking about um, her, uh, how family was so important to her. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the the contemporary artists that you featured that are, is kind of reflecting that too. Sure. So as I was saying before, we have both a group of black artists and then Mexican artists, which was, you know, like um, the, the our way to stress how important her identity was. And, you know, like, for example, we have Geles Cabrera, who's um, um, this is going to sound really shocking, but it's true. Geles was the first professional female sculptor in Mexico. And this means that it was the first female that was documented to have a show, to have a publication and so on. And um, she, um, um, she was 22 years old when she had her first exhibition in 1948. Wow. Can you believe that? That's almost unbelievable, but yeah, that's you know, crazy. that's the world we live in. But um, hopefully we can make a little bit of change with this. But Geles, um, Geles, carved the way for women to have you know like a career for as a as a as a professional artist and um while a personal relationship to Helles is not proven uh, between Elizabeth and Helles uh, it was very important for us to have Helles in the show because she was sort of like um thinking about the female body and representations of the female body opposed to what muralism was doing and she was th thinking about you know like um the relationship between materials and sculpture and body and and also you know like just paving the way uh in in mexican arts for uh for women to work professionally as artists um we have a very young artist uh, whose name is julieta hill and julieta works a lot with 3d imagery she she does a lot of 3d sculptures 3D prints mm -hmm. and you know like in Mexico there has been a big feminist movement uh, in the past two years and these uh, uh, there have been marches, um, uh, meetings 
and on you know like the violence against women in Mexico is a subject that's very um, um, effervescent at the moment. So Julieta mm. has been working with activist groups, and she um, she documented um, the aftermath of the biggest march, feminist march we have had in the country and how they graffitied um, the main monument in the city, the Angel of Independence. And this monument, you know, like immediately after the march was boarded up in the way that you couldn't see the tags that the feminist groups were claiming, mm-hmm. sort of like they sort of like erased these messages. So Julieta yeah. was able to document that through photography and through, you know, like a, a, a new technology uh, that's called photogrammetry. She then builds a 3D image of uh, this monument. Mm -hmm. So in a way she's making an archive of these um, claims uh, that are fighting against um, violence against women. And, um, you know, like just thinking about the relationship between sculpture and advocacy and activism and feminism. It was very important for us to have Julieta with this um, image series who have won, you know, like two very important prizes ever since. These, these I think, are images that are going to go down in history as uh, very important images in our time. And we're also thinking about Catlett, you know, if Catlett would be alive, she for sure had been part of this march, you know, Mm -hmm. so... It's also about thinking about her legacy as an artist, as an activist, as uh, as a as a leader in her in her different communities. Um, so Julieta is sort of like um, making that argument for current feminist movements. Um, and then we have two commission works by Josue Mejia, who's also a very young Mexican artist, who went and researched about Elizabeth's thesis. Um, in 1940, when she um, uh, when she graduated from Iowa University, and uh, and Josué got the cover of this um, master's thesis, and uh, he included some of the elements of um, sharecropper, the print that we were talking about before, and some um, other sculptures that Elizabeth had made, uh, a sort of a tribute of um, her um, her um, work. And he also takes these tiny little figures that we have in the print that was part of um, that group we were talking about, the celebration of black culture, in which you can see uh, different um, figures sort of like in a celebratory position. And Josue is thinking about how Catlett um, was part of um, these meetings that were happening in Mexico City, um, an association of women, the ONMAC Association, and this association um, was inviting artists to create backdrops for the meetings. And Catlett actually created one with two other artists, but unfortunately there's no documentation of that backdrop. Mm. And Josue was sort of like making um, a speculation of how this backdrop would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also thinking about, you know, like, uh, gender issues with muralism because muralism was a, a, a movement mainly dominated by male m- male figures, male artists. So he's thinking about, for example, how can we think about a 
more feminine history of muralism. And then he opposes, you know, like the hardness of the wall towards the softness of the fabric. So he's proposing a mural in fabric that's both mobile, that it can it can be in different places, that um, that's, you know, like a different materiality that murals themselves. So, you know, just kind of like rethinking the history of muralism. And then we have a large sculpture by Pedro Reyes, who's one of you know, like the most um, recognized Mexican artists uh, internationally. And he himself has been influenced by Catlett. Uh, he, he he's not only an artist, but he's also a curator. And he has curated a couple of exhibitions in the past two years about um, modern Mexican sculpture in which he has included Catlett. And, um, you know, like the visual vocabulary that Catlett created uh, has been a strong influence to Pedro's sculptural works. And we have a, a work um, named Tlaquilo, which is referencing um, the pre-Hispanic figure of the historian um, that was, you know, like uh, the person in charge of like depicting reality and and it, it, it was sort of like not only a historian but it was also a librarian uh um you know like the right. keeper of reality and 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 there would i mean in a perhaps more um in a different conception they were also kind of like oracles you know like they had the knowledge and this sort of like permeated uh, the social realism movement, you know, like this commitment to represent reality, which I think is also present in Catlett's work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of like the argument that we're doing with this group of artists. And then we have, you know, like black artists like um, Mildred Beltre, um, who's an Afro-Caribbean artist, and she is thinking, she has a beautiful work that's called Asabache Mami, and she's thinking about, you know, like obviously the uh, black power fist, but also about these Caribbean amulets that are given to kids for protection. And this drawing has two words embroidered, uh, which are, one word is blessings in Spanish, bendición. And then mm -hmm. the second word is mami, which is basically mommy. Uh, so, you know, like again, thinking about blessings, motherhood, protection. Um, and then we have also two very beautiful, a little bit more abstract renditions of black women by Mildred, um, who are digital prints uh, with hand-painted ink. Uh, and again, you know, like thinking about the legacy of portraiture of black women in the present, we have Jen Everett, uh, that's a St. Louis-based artist, a young artist too. And she, you know, like she thinks about the notion of black interiority, and uh, a subject that's you know like very present in black um, um, young artists, and she's thinking about her own history with the depiction of um, black women. So we have three different pieces of a very beautiful video that's called Happy New Year. That's a very tender um, um, video of different women that are you know like being filmed, and you can see the. The, right the very moment in which they become aware that they they are being filmed mm -hmm. and there's you know, like this beautiful negotiation between their gaze and the camera and this sort of like wanting to be 
part of this video, but also being a little bit aware of themselves. And mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. such a beautiful moment in which you're thinking about, you know, like the politics of representing um, um, women in video or in photography in a very intimate way. And she also has a couple of other images that are more archival. And, and you know, like that for me, these are beautiful because there's an area, a gray area, and you don't really know if these are part of their family or not. Or you know, like there might be found images. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like to think about how these images um, circulate, you know, like you can find these images in like flea markets or like other spaces and how, how you know, like there's, there's this certain sense of anonymity that we all have uh, uh, in time, you know, like our identity, who we are, uh, some of us um, are, you know, like forgotten, and then these images arise again. And I think that's very interesting. And then, of course, uh, we have Latoya and Ariston, who have, you know, like these two prints that are uh, confronted. And, and, you know, like Ariston, we spoke about Latoya's print a little bit, but Ariston, Ariston's uh, print, I think, is very special because, because visually, he is also depicting his family, his kids, um, Latoya, but he's also overlapping uh, uh, African sculpture with traditional Olmec heads mm -hmm. uh, from pre-Hispanic times. So that's, that for me, I think it's sort of like the artwork that seals this argument, you know, like that mm -hmm. really makes it round because he's thinking, I mean, he has these beautiful circular shapes and he's calling that, um, you know, like sacred geometry and how that's protecting his family. So again, you know, like just thinking about all these art influences, all these cultural influences that are not only behind, but above and around us that are protecting us, that are building our identity every day. Well, thank you for going through uh, the show for us like that. Like, it's really a treat to hear from the curator and get to know everything that went behind us. It's got me excited to go see it, and I hope everybody listening uh, get hitch their wagons together, <laughs> get on the trail, and go down and see this amazing show. It sounds fantastic. Uh, uh, so as we leave, just leave us with um, something that you want us to learn about Catlett coming out of this. Wow. Um that's a hard one. I think there's many things to learn about her. I think, you know, um, just to think, you know, like the, the power of her art, just thinking that she was working, you know, like 70, 80 years ago in these subjects that are very much uh, present and that are very much unresolved and that we all have something to learn from her and we all have something to do about these issues that she's uh, positioning. And I think that, you know, like art has a, a deep transformative power and, and to be discussing these subjects in the museum and to be acknowledging and honoring her legacy. I think it's a privilege and it's a, it's uh, for me, you know, like also as a fellow immigrant has been an immense privilege to to work, to honor her. Uh, we're not speaking for her, but we're making a platform for her work to speak for itself. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I invite everyone 
that can come to Savannah to see the show and 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 enjoy, you know, like the beautiful art of Elizabeth Catlett and see how that's relevant with their contemporary connections. That's right. That's Elizabeth Catlett, Points of Contact at the SCAD Museum of Art in Savannah, Georgia, September 23rd through January 30th, 2022. Thanks so much, Umberto. Thank you. Really appreciate this. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in to another episode of Bio Talks, where we're talking all things Black art in America. Make sure you go over to blackartinamerica.com. You can browse and shop the fine art from the growing network of artists, collectors, estates, galleries, specializing in works by Black American artists. That's buyblackart.com. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Peace.